hi uh uh you're listening to exploration uh as, this is the uh, squad uh, this is the squad uh this is no code and uh this is rudy this is tigris and it's me america's most important gamer ramona uh, this episode yeah. has like uh we should give you a content warning because uh, uh uh i'll let uh mara sort of describe uh what's going on but uh the short point of it is I make a bad joke about child abuse and that's wrong and it's always wrong. So it's always wrong. Yeah, this 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 episode, the game that this episode is about is about the relationship between a parent and a child. And um, there are many ways that that relationship can manifest. And we talk about most of those in uh, great detail and sometimes it is uh not um it's colorful <laughs> um that's not to say this episode's all a downer there's plenty of jokes and fun times and ser- but it's it's a typical snacks or serious and uh and lighthearted just uh be advised that uh this this might go some places that uh might be sensitive for some people on with the show. On with the show. I am here to slash scold you for being so boring in your naming choices. I thought it was going to be so good. I thought y'all were going to name your, like, I thought you were going to, like, assign special meaning to your little Pinocchio boys, but instead you all just, like, decided to be default. At I, least actually, me, I was actually more weird. thoughtful than that. I, I don't know what happened, but I was, I can tell you what happened to me, which was that I was uh, boiling a pot of water with my electric kettle and it started overflowing. And uh, I had to make sure it didn't get into anything electrical. And it didn't. You had a real being uh, Pino and Wonder Project J moment in real life. <laughs> I'm going to start the podcast. Here we go. All right. Start it for me, Mama. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad podcast, episode 44. I think that's right. A video games book club and select button guide and podcast. Every month we play a game that either you voted on i.e. the listeners, or was handpicked by one of our intrepid explorers. Uh, this time we're playing Wonder Project J, which is Tulpa's explorer pick about raising a boy to know how to throw a ball and fight racism. We'll be discussing it using the four standardized metrics for scoring a video game in the same order we always use, which is gun, vanity, investigation, and revelation. I'm your definitely not an Android host, Vasilkania, and today I am joined by... I am no code, but you can call me Mara. I'm closed. Oh, I have something to ask. I have something to ask. Okay. Can everybody uh, also say the name of your robot child? The name of my robot child was Avocado. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. Uh, I just used the default name because it's Pino. I've got no strings. So I have fun. I'm not tied up to anyone. They've got strings, but you'll see there are no strings on me. That's right. It it shrugged proud to have for several years been 
the number one Google video search result for the phrase Terry Crews naked. Um, <laughs> however, at this point, I'm when I turn on incognito and search, it's it's very buried. And if I go on YouTube, I'm number seven. So that um, those days have passed. Anyway, that's why I called my my boy uh, Cable. So so you just had a real gamer moment with your naming choice um wait is cable a gaming word no you're referencing a scene from a movie called gamer. <laughs> i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> did anybody call their child gamer what's a movie oh, <laughs> i i'm god i'm remember i gotta edit all this I, I'm, I'm Tigris. You're welcome. <laughs> and I got and uh, uh and uh, I just I just called called the the kid Pino because I'm I'm un I'm uncreative and I'm already living the robot lifestyle twenty four seven uh the rest of the time. Hi, it's me, Ramona. Uh. I often dream about waking up one day and becoming a real boy as well. My robot was just named Pino because I felt uncomfortable naming a child something goofy like butt. I am fucking stunned right now. It's uh, Papa, Papa Rude, the big one, the, bi- the, big, the big daddy. Uh, it's Rude, Rudy, Rude one. I had some other things to say. Uh, a child was named Pino as opposed to you heathens that speak the, uh, the the tongues of the West. I'm Tulpa. I've played this game for many an hour throughout my life. And I named my beautiful robot boy Gorm. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I kept mine as Pino, so that's, that's where oh I'm at. Oh my that's... god! That's Look, four Pinos! This is a the circle kid. jerk. The kid looks like He's like seven or eight. I'm not going to rename a seven or eight year old. What if you adopted a seven yeah. or eight year old and and like their name was I don't know Natasha and you're like no you're Sally now. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's uh, like... he's he's one day old though. Could you not? <laughs> could you not have the decency to fill out all the characters in the character naming screen? I should have changed his name to. Um, no. Dang it! Hold, well, hold on. I, I gotta mean, make sure there's any any Japanese special characters. Is there enough oh. room for Pino Grigio? You didn't ask because I actually called him Pino Noir. Oh, no. all of the characters. All right. Um, <laughs> thanks, everybody. Um, let's move on to the game description part of the script. Um, Wonder Project J. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> We're getting there. It's a 1994 adventure game slash life simulation game uh, starring Pino, who is definitely a real boy. Uh, he, no, he's an android. You have to train your android boy, Pino, to do things like lift weights, uh, read books, and I think stab people, but I'm not, I didn't get that far. Um, you do this by pointing him to items and making him walk around using the fairy Tinker, who is basically a mouse cursor. And then after he does something, you either praise him for doing it or you scold him for doing it. Um, and that changes his stats and his available skills. He gets smarter or he gets more angry, etc. Um, I'll have some stories about that. <laughs> so Wonder Project J was developed by the 
Almanic Corporation, who's otherwise known as the Givro Corporation. I'd never heard of them. They made like seven games. Uh, they they made Wonder Project J2 and a fighting game called Cosmic Carnage. Published by N is it pronounced Enix? I've always said Enix. I think it's Enix. Uh, who also released the slightly more famous game Just Breed? Um, it was. <laughs> Whoa. It was I don't know what that is. Device. No relation. <laughs> it was uh, only released in Japan, but there was a fan translation by uh, the insert fan translation group here. I don't remember. The translation was by Wagged Hacks. Production by Lord Tech uh, and translation duties carried out by Tomato, Akujin, and Kagami. Uh, it was released in 2001, so that was pretty early on. It was only seven years after the original thing, so yeah, pretty early. Um, yeah, so we played the translated version except for Rudy. I think you just played the Japanese version. Um, and Tolpa, I wanted to ask you before we got into anything further, uh, why did you pick this game? Like, what's this game mean to you? Uh, this game opened my eyes to what video games should be at a very young age. I was 11. I played this game when the fan translation first came out, and uh, uh, it blew my mind that uh, not only uh, console games, but any sort of games should be this uh, different from anything that came before or since. And I wanted to share that with folks, because, uh, you know, they're there's not often an opportunity to just put a game that is challenging to describe. For what it's worth, I'm really happy you did it. Yeah, I think this was a great choice to discuss because it's very interesting. It is very unlike anything else, at, le at, at least on the Super Nintendo um, and really most places. And yeah, and it's important to you, which is which is most of what I care about with these Explorer picks. I asked everybody to play an hour, but how, about how long did you play and how far did you get in this game? Uh, so I played about three hours total, but it was over two, like from the beginning playthroughs. One of them was like three and a half weeks ago. And I got so uh, unnerved and upset by the game that I forgot about it for like a, a long time. And then the other two and a half hours I played just before we started this podcast, so it's all fresh in my brain. Uh, I think I played maybe three or four hours. I Basically just to start to finish. Uh, what is the meaning of time? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I'm pretty sure I spent more time watching other people play than I played myself, though. That's, that's legitimate. I played for about two and a half hours. I got to act four and uh, won at least one sporting event. I beat the game. Uh, I played for about three and a half hours. I got to chapter four, uh, and then that's uh, and yeah, we'll get into why I stopped. I played for five or six hours. I got to chapter seven or act seven. I got to act seven right before we started the podcast. I played about two hours yesterday. We had a long run up to this podcast and I just I just I just didn't do it till yesterday. Um I got two chapter three, the sporting events one. Um and then I didn't play it anymore. Uh and then I watched Rudy watch a video <laughs> for seven minutes. <laughs> um but yeah, I, this is one of the ones where I think we have a wide variety of how far we got in the game. So this will be really interesting to talk about. And our first topic, as always is 
gun. So the uh, the gun topic is where we typically talk about mechanics, the nitty gritty, like how it it works in your hands and how it works mechanically. This game is, to me, weirdly light on mechanics. Like they're there, they make sense, and then that's it. They're very upfront about it. So just to give a quick overview, um, Pino has like what fifteen stats or something ridiculous, twenty. Um, anytime. Pino does something, it raises and lowers some of those stats. When you do something, there's four lights at the top representing the four major groups of, st- of statistics. Um, when they raise or lower, they flash at the top, these little lights. And then you can go into the menu to see exactly which of those f- of the stats uh, changed. So, for instance, under strength, you have arm strength, leg strength, balance, uh, attack, defense, that kind of thing. Um, so, But those are all counted under strength, with, which is red. Um, so that's the major mechanic. You get Pino to do something, he, you praise him, or you scold him, and that's it. Um, the, there or are you do of, nothing. Or you it's do important nothing. important to note that you can do nothing, and that is actually relevant. Yes, that is that is the big thing that's, that's important to do. It's like kind of just let him, at least in my experience, just sort of let him play around with things and figure things out on his own sometimes. Um, the other or if impor- you're a particularly awful person, you can also beat the child. Which, you can beat you the know, child. I don't think any of us are None of us are awful. I don't, I didn't ever end up doing it. Um... <laughs> I, I know you can, and I know it's like, uh, you, you basically you scold twice in a row. I just never did. But just mostly because you told me this, Tulpa. So if I, if I hadn't known, I definitely would have done it. I did throw him down a well on accident, though. I mean, I blame him. Um, so from Holy these, shit. <laughs> it was it. He just I clicked on the well and he was like, "Ooh, what's in here?" And he died. Um, that's that's more his. I think that is on the road, but that's that's a little bit of a parenting mistake. Um, the other important thing to note about this game is that it supports the Super Nintendo mouse, but is not required. Um, so you can play this with a regular controller. Um, so yeah, and it does both. And, and I, you're a little fairy. That's you, you get to play as a little. Well, you're not playing as, but you control a little fairy. It's great. Yeah, I want to say that's actually a, a noted distinction. Is you're not playing the fairy. You're just distinctly playing yourself, uh, telling the fairy what to do. What the fairy is telling Pino what to do. Many layers of abstraction. Fourth, the game breaks the fourth wall in like two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's very direct about that. So, um, so that's the. Is, is it breaking the fourth wall, or is it just making you part of the experience? It's, inc- it's like expanding Earth the now. magic circle. It, it is literally. It is literally doing the definition of breaking the fourth wall. Yes, by a classical Brechtian <laughs> definition of theater, oh, this game is all about uh, uh, violating the boundaries between the audience and the. Uh, narrative unlike earthbound noted work of art this game asks you for your name before the main character's name which is just avant-garde 
<laughs> well, and what what other people might argue is that it's not breaking the fourth wall. It's placing the fourth wall behind you. Now you are part of the game. It's Ooh, expanding the magic circle. No, no, no. no, no that's, that's not how the, fourth walls work. That's not work. how it works. Yeah, no. <laughs> you can't have a fourth wall behind you. That that would essentially mean that you're the game developer. I, I was, yeah. That, no, that's... you're the actor. You're You're one of the actors on stage. Well, then yes. the fourth wall metaphor does not apply to video games, period. No, it doesn't. That's why I keep calling it a magic circle. There was a book about it. All right. Uh, <laughs> but what did people think it's about like this? game academics. Yeah, I know. May I, I what is book? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> what did, uh, don't, oh. Eat, don't, eat, don't eat it, Shrug. Don't eat it. Don't, don't tear it up. Please don't tear it up. Don't stomp on it. <laughs> it. It should also be noted that those meta stats can easily be modified with the proper usage of robot drugs and... Uh, <laughs> Occult, uh, occult totems. There, there's also <laughs> fucking a. I mean, this is true. Um, there's also some hidden stuff that the is not that everything is is pretty much exposed to you except his mastery of skills. So he can master skills outside of all of these stats, as far as I could tell, anyway. So, for instance, even if his like intelligence is high enough to read a book he has to read the same book multiple times and then suddenly he'll be like, I got it, which usually implies that he can now read a higher book or can uh, read that book for more efficiency. It's not entirely clear what uh, it's the it's main thing that is mastering your thing is that he's understanding it. So you've taught him to do it. He's understanding. And in so, he understands how he's supposed to use an item. It's not that he like has he's more efficient when he knows how to use an item. It just means he won't uh, eat the book or tear it up. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. He, yeah, it's specifically that he thinks that's what he's yeah. supposed to do with it, which is relevant for later in the game because, and I guess, I don't know, I guess this is getting into the mechanics, but like early on, there's a lot of stuff like teach him to throw a ball, teach him to read a book. But then like later on, there's there's only so much you can do with that kind of idea from like a puzzle solving perspective, I guess. So, Later on, you have some stuff like teach him to look at a ball and spin his head around so he freaks out a police officer. Um, so you're actually unteaching him logical things to do to, to solve puzzles. Oh, oh that's wow. cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, there, and like another one was uh, eventually you have to teach him to stream at doors to make them open instead of uh, just opening them the normal way. Oh my god, that rules. <laughs> Did anybody try to train their uh, precious special boy to open doors a certain way, like, from the outset? It was I... one of the first things that I noticed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what I did. I, I taught them how to uh, pick locks uh, right away. I wasn't uh, sure that was even ahead. possible, which was one of the difficulties I had with this game. Yeah, like, a second, it feels like I'm, I, I was, like... Like I, I was manipulating, I was specifically manipulating stat bars. Like, like that, that, that sort of graded at me immediately. Is this, is that a certain point the game is making sure bars go up and down and repeating actions so that happens? Yeah, I, I think I might have played the game stupid, but if I did try to train him to to open doors properly. But then I accidentally scolded him the one time he did it, so he just started yelling at doors and bowing at them and saying "open sesame." So that did, that wasn't good. But um, the I, I might have just been bad, but I, in the third scenario, you have to get his athletic skills up. So I had him balancing. I needed his balance higher. I had him balancing on the same log 40 times, and it was just re repetition. Um, 
and it was it was a bit odd. I feel like I was maybe missing something, but it also did technically work. So I was like, all right, well, I guess we're just doing this for the next 25 minutes. Um, so yeah, it's an odd game for that kind of stuff. I want to dis I want to disclaim that what I'm about to say I don't know whether it belongs in gun or vanity which is something that I feel about most of the things that I have to say about this game but those four lights at the top of the screen that are always there no matter what are extremely emotionally manipulative every time one of them blinks I feel like I've done a crime <laughs> See, I was just using them as an indicator that I need to go check the menu. Oh, I, I thought that was like a really, I felt like I was in a cool retro sci-fi kind of thing whenever that happened. Wait, y'all didn't, re- that that was just, that's just like registering that those stats are being affected. I know, I know, I know what they're doing. I know exactly what they're doing. But the fact that I can see every time that a stat is being affected meant that like literally everything i did because those 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 lights they blink so much and they're just in the corner of your eye so every time you see a light blink maybe you haven't registered which one blinked yet but it's just like everything i do matters everything everything matters even when he's just doing shit on his own when you like let him run free which is like maybe the most entertaining and most like heartwarming way to play this game it's just like everything that happens is affecting the way that he processes and sees the world around him. So maybe this is a little bit more, but why did you, why did you buy into that so much where where I like, I bought out like that made me buy buy out is, is seeing the, it's like, okay, this is just numbers manipulation. I feel like, I feel like that's like, I feel like that's like part of the spiel that comes later. (laughs) Um, It is a game that, is effectively about operant conditioning of uh, your little stringless robot Pinocchio. Um, and by having that immediate omnipresent, always there GUI feedback, so you always know uh, when the boy is, is, things are affecting the boy, you are also. Uh, sort of being conditioned in a almost uh, kind of similar to how a lot of uh, modern games put addiction models into their uh, uh, stuff, uh, into their into their design, uh, though like not nearly on the same level, and it's not like it's asking you for money. But while you're so like while you're trying to condition the child, the game is sort of conditioning you to. Uh, make those lights go up, make the numbers change, do whatever. I don't know. Which may be if I'm so you're speaking from my Project own point J of view. is my daddy? Possibly. Yes. <laughs> and if you're, if you are, say, uh, I'm not speaking for Mara, I'm just speaking for myself as I would not speculate on somebody else's uh, uh, mental, emotional, whatever reactions to any Super Nintendo game. But uh, if you are me and you have a lot of uh, a background that features a lot of uh, stimulus response, whatever, because you have uh, a cornucopia of perhaps uh, not actually treated for most of your life um, uh, 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 mental illness. Represent. Yeah, then 
those lights can just sort of be weird and stressful and add to the, especially when you're initially playing and the actual like precise mechanics and what does what and how do I do this when you're trying to uh, puzzle things out through the occulted, semi-occulted system, systems of the thing, it's it's probably going to make you feel kind of weird. Um, I don't know if any of that made sense, but... I think you put that better than I could have, but like I kind of uh, felt the same way. So one of the things about this game that uh, should be highlighted as like an example of how it's not just number manipulation is uh, some of the consequences of uh, the numbers being manipulated in that, that uh, the personality of the boy is defined uh, entirely by um, which stat is the highest at any given time, which changes his interactions with NPCs and events throughout the game. Uh, the the actual like lights didn't really bother me, but like the later part of the game where you're sort of where you are sort of manipulating his stats to get him to a certain personality type, so he does stuff, felt like really odd to me because like early on, uh, you know, it feels like you're sort of teaching him and you're trying to like get him to, I guess, understand the world, but as you go on further and they sort of have to stretch the puzzle design, it does feel really weird when you're having to have him unlearn sensible things to get him to do the thing that'll, you know, open the door or whatever. That sounds very video gamey. In this game is actually as a result of him just doing something that wouldn't be sensible and it having a major effect on, uh, on, uh, the, uh, on, on his stats. Through a series of fairly convoluted puzzle solving, I managed to get uh, the Corlo sword, which would be very expensive to buy, but I got it in like Act 3. And I had him try to interact with it, and the first thing he did was pray to it, which maxed out his attack score instantly. Whoa. Whoa. Dang. That's so cool. So yeah, this is... okay. This this caused a deep anxiety in me that I I can go as far back as you like, um, and that is and tell you that this would have caused me a deep anxiety, and and that is that I am am taking something and permanently ruining it, and so the, the I remember this playing uh, black and white, which is a god game where you have specifically a creature that you <laughs> would uh, uh you know like train by making it do things and then scolding it or praising it. Very Wonder Project J, except there's a whole other game attached to it. And I just, I was so, I dreaded messing up my my poor creature. Um, and that's what the numbers did to me in this game. And in fact, I did end up in a state like that early on because I wasn't paying enough attention to the numbers. Um, and so I was, getting, I was getting his arms really strong and it made him very stupid. Because that's what that's what happens when your arms get strong as your brain gets weak. Um, and he got to a point where he had zero reasoning out of a hundred, uh, and couldn't open doors. He couldn't open any doors in the world <laughs> ever. Um, and he was just stuck in a room for a while until I I finally got him to uh, open the door after making him attempt it like six times and get a tiny bit smarter each time. So that that. After that, I was checking the numbers, the actual numbers for the stats every time I saw those lights flash. Um, 
And that was super stressful to me. <laughs> so that was what I was getting was like a sense of like, oh God, I'm, I'm messing this up. Um, and I don't know what's hidden from me. Like, like that tulpa is that, that example is really amazing because I assume there's also fail states where if the kid does a totally unexpected thing, then everything's fucked. Like <laughs> eats a key or whatever. Um, so yeah, it, this game stressed me the fuck out. And I would say it was primarily based on the mechanics. <laughs> The first fail state that I encountered playing this game was the first couple hours I spent with it where like I spent like an hour and a half stressing out over this kid like not kicking a fucking dog and then he ate uh he ate an alarm clock and then the game soft locked. <laughs> well right. so so both of those I, I feel like we need to mention that like you you all needed to uh Go back to real parenting, not what they do now, not not the, not the baby gloves. Um, and you needed to, if you if you said bad action twice, then uh, you hit the child with a hammer, and that that'll that'll uh, that'll tell them not to do that again. Let me I tell wanna, you, I want to stress. I'm trying to take. I'm trying to maintain a healthy distance from that topic until later. Well, I apologize. I, I have- have to talk about this right now though uh one of the reasons i love this game is that it gives you the option and then makes it very clear almost immediately that doing that is absolutely wrong in all situations uh that's a good way to soft lock the game by uh getting his trust down to zero within like oh. two actions yeah actually uh bopping on the head is a. Uh... It's a pretty extreme measure. Like I like I said before, there's one situation where I found that it was useful, and I was kind of surprised by that. But like, if he does stick something in his mouth, like knocking him on the head will get him to spit it out before he swallows it, which I thought was a really cute interaction. Right. Uh, yeah, that's, and, that's the actual use for yeah. it. I don't know if there's other Steve. places where it's you absolutely don't want him doing a thing, but I soft locked the game one time before that by. Um, like because I'm playing on like a DualShock Four and like uh, SNES buttons are weird, and like uh, X and Y and A and B are like kind of reversed. I don't know. They they go right to left, not left to right. Um, I'm making excuses. Anyway, I accidentally <laughs> hit I accidentally hit my child, and uh, he decided he hated me, and that was a soft lock. I couldn't get him to do anything, and. Uh, and then I didn't play the game for three and a half weeks. Yeah, like that's I don't know. It's uh, just 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 as a general disclaimer, we are against punishing children uh, physically in in any way as as a serious. Oh God, play. yes, please, please, <laughs> yeah, please realize that was a joke. Good lord. Yeah, the thing is, I was initially having a bad. One of the reasons that initially put me off the game, and I'm glad I know that now, was the game doesn't really give you a ton of indication, because I wasn't sure if it was just assuming I would have a never-ending supply of pudding to to uh, make him feel better after that. And I was like, is is this a game where, where you use a hammer on a robot child, and if they're too upset with you, you bribe them with pudding? Because I'm not really happy about that. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely the opposite, which is one of the things I want to talk about the game thematically is that it actually, it, it would be toothless if it did not give you the option to do bad things. But because it does, it actually has a very good, in my opinion, example of didacticism in a game where uh, 
you should be worried and stressed about mistreating this child because that's the game is that you are caring for another thing and treating it like it's alive even though it's virtual on on multiple levels and uh, i think it's really good that this game has uh, the sort of feedback loops and interactions where even scolding a child will sometimes lock you out of the game if you scolds too frequently I think that's an interesting point. And I will say that the opposite of that is true because it is sort of a tightrope. And this is not a pun based on what I'm about to say. Um, there's there's real moments of joy in there. So like I was talking about, I think I, not before the recording. Yeah, it was during the recording. I'm talking about having him go over a log like 40 times and he was just needing to balance on it. And it took him 39 tries um, to go over the log 100% successfully. And I'm not, I wasn't counting. But And on that 40th try, he did it. And there was a real sense of like, yeah, we fucking did it. You know, like <laughs> this kid, this fake kid, practiced something so much, he was able to actually do it. It was the same when I finally got him to read a book instead of throw it on the ground or tear it into pieces or kick it. Or eat it. Or eat it or stomp on it. <laughs> um but yeah, like it, there was a real sense of accomplishment because it was so much, not necessarily hard, but it was hard to find the correct path. It wasn't going to mess something else up, um, which I appreciated. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. You, I, I, you, oh, I want to see Tigress. I, I want to, what do you, what have you got to say? So the thing about this is in the early going when the kid is, you know, tearing apart like the book a lot. And I'm trying to teach the kid how to do something and the kid's still breaking stuff. It takes quite a bit of time to go from your house to the shop to buy replacement items. And I eventually figured out that you could teach the kid to do stuff right outside the shop. So essentially, I was the mom who drove the kid to Walmart, gave the kid a book and said, learn to read. Kid tears up the book and I go inside the Walmart and buy another book and give it to the kid. In the parking lot. <laughs> In the parking lot. I'll yeah, like... It's in the parking lot. So I would say the actual like Pavlovian operant conditioning in this game is to teach the player to like uh, treat other things with uh, the respect that other things deserve, and not uh, operant conditioning the child necessarily oh. because that will backfire. Yeah, I mean, it is you do sort of have to like let go to some extent, or to just sort of like because you're trying to get him to like read a book or something. And, like, maybe he doesn't have the stats to be able to do that thing. Um, and he's, like, you know, essentially doing what he can do, which is just sort of, like, lashing out. Um, so sometimes you have to, like, take a different tack and, like, give him, like, a different item to try to get him to the point where he can be like, yeah. oh, yeah, maybe I can actually read a book. Right. And I, think I, I started doing, I started realizing that if he was upset, I could, from scolding, I could, like, give him stuff that I could praise him for to raise his mood a bit. And I also did, like, a after a while, where he would just, like, go to the book and read himself without pressing a button, and that felt great. <laughs> the right. thing that I kept wondering when uh, while well, uh, watching Kenya play last night during the great um, outdoor uh, read fest... Uh, where they just told uh, uh, Dear Pino to read over and over and over again um, until they like tore up or ate or otherwise assaulted the book and uh, then uh, uh, told them to go inside and they did not uh, have the uh, reasoning skill 
they did not have the reasoning number high enough to open the door. Um, and I was wondering uh, if making uh, making the child do the same thing that they clearly do not want to do and with too low a stat to do it so they can't do it over and over again uh, with the wrong deal uh, could actually lower the stat that was or stats that are associated with it. Yeah, they absolutely yeah. can. Like, like in Kenya's game, when the child's tore up the book that destroyed any reasoning Pino had left. And so that then they couldn't open a door until they were told to look at the door like four or five times in order to, oh, I my reasoning is three or four now, so I know how to open door. You can't make the kid do what... They aren't capable of doing, and if you push it, it's just going to make things worse. Kenya, <laughs> I, uh, I, I know. I mean, I think that's what I did, and I ended up having to balance it out with other things, like that the kid enjoyed. Basically, it was what ended up being the trick. And well, no, that's not that's not true. What ended up being the trick was spending five thousand dollars on a thing that reset his personality so that he was super smart and everything else sucked. So mechanically, this game is weird. I, I do think that Tulpa, you have a point, but it is very strange that you can just buy something that resets your kid's personality. I did not necessarily enjoy that. <laughs> well, one of the things that's interesting about uh, this game is that uh, both you and uh, uh, you and Mara mentioned that there's uh, a lot of stress to like the interface and such in this game and uh, i think the reason they offer so many strange items like that that let you reset the personality is so that the game is ultimately extremely forgiving of the player making mistakes which is except when it soft locks on you in the first 30 minutes because you, <laughs> yeah, what is, yeah, because what you did something because you did something extremely horrific by complete accident what is the like because there is like a stop item like there's a stop item and there's like a sleep aid item and I was never quite sure what those did. I didn't actually experiment with them. Sleep aid lets you uh, sleep uh, in any place and recover your stats to one or recover ah. your health and energy to one hundred. And uh, sit still uh, prevents it calms Pino down so that uh, he stops uh, taking actions on his own that may or may not be the wrong action. I never eat the system. Yeah, you can always make Pino stop. You just have to be paying attention. Um, and I would say Pino doesn't normally do things on his own for about three to five seconds after the last command. So you, you can always just stop him. So it's not too big of a deal. But um, I want to move on to Vanity because I want to give a picture of what this game actually looks like. But do, do we have any more mechanical thoughts, concerns here? before I mean, we, we didn't on? talk about any of the guns. Yeah. Are there guns in this game? There are oh, yeah, there's totally guns. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Like, yeah. At least three, and I would say Pino uh, himself counts as a gun as well. So there would be four guns. Go, Ramona. Yeah, Pino, Pino is a gun. A gun that shoots love into people's hearts. <laughs> but also I mean, love into a battleship. Like a sky battleship that causes it to explode and kills a man. That's cool. Hit me, Ramona. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say I didn't have much to add because um, turns out when you have uh, seven other people on a show, they can uh, express your thoughts for you. <laughs> but I was going to say that I didn't actually have much of a problem with the UI. I felt it was pretty easy to use, but that might just be because I've spent a lot of time with another uh, similar game 
called Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures. <laughs> no! Kick, kick Ramona. Kick Ramona. Fuck all y'all. The game is great. And this game is great, too. But um, right, Let me just make this quick so we can get to the next topic. But um, I did really enjoy, like... Um, you know, the balance of like managing like your stats so you're not putting everything into like one aspect of Pino's personality so not everything um you know if you uh work out too much and do too much in the way of physical fitness uh you know his sensitivity will go down and his intelligence will slightly lower as well um and then you'd have to like kind of you, you had to be very careful about how you raise the child you can't just um you know, force him to live by you know, uh, to um, allow me to live vicariously through him. That's what I wanted to say. Pac-Man too. Wapa wapa wap. I think one thing I want to say about how this game works mechanically is that sometimes um, I was really, really frustrated by how limited a vocabulary I had to interact with. Um, my my precious son uh I, like essentially all you have is like you can put things in front of him right you can tell him to walk or run or stop and you can say yes and you can say no or you can say physical abuse uh and those, or that's, you can do that's nothing, your that is an important action no, i understand that doing nothing is is an important action but um, doing nothing is not something that they encourage you to do. Like at the very, very outset, it is something that you need to learn, which is like, you know, like I understand why, but like sometimes there were things that happened where like I became so vulnerable to this child so quickly, which is, which is like a nice segue into vanity. That's for the reasons why. But like I became so vulnerable to this child so immediately that vocabulary became very inadequate very, very, very fast. I want to be clear, like this game left me with bad feels. And I, I think that I think you're right about that being a good transition into our next category, which is, as always, our second category is always vanity. Pause for a musical cue. Um, go, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, good transition. We're just going to give that gun good dose of estrogen. And now, now, now the category is vanity. <laughs> so, <laughs> worse than it did in my head. After I, after I, after I played this game for two hours, I shoved that shit into my thigh like it was my job. <laughs> um, right. So, so, okay. Sorry, that was awkward. No, that ruled. Um, that can, was awesome. I can edit that out if you want me to, but I don't want to. I think that ruled. Um, <laughs> so this game has vanity in it. it I, you know what? I don't remember any of the music. Fuck me. Um, but this this game very much looks like, to me, a Ghibli-like anime. I mean, I don't watch a lot of Ghibli, Ghibli, whatever the fuck, Ghibli. Um, but it looks very anime-ish. It looks a little bit Disney-ish to me, specifically the dog. I know you hated it when I said that on stream, Tulpa, but it's Oh, true. it was so painful. I, I don't know. see any Disney at all in this. I know. Besides the fact that it's, you know, it, it has very polished animation. Right. But And that's kind of the point. Is it has very nice animation. And specifically, Pino has just tons and tons of animations. I mean, like, lots of 
eating things and sniffing things and praying to things and screaming and falling over and just generally being a wacky ass kid, um, which is great. Like lots and lots of that. They, they spent a lot of time and money on making, making Pino an extremely charming character who has a little pink cape, the pink cape in the overalls. Oh my God. The cape is a towel. Here's why capes are good. Capes show a path of action with limited frames. Ooh, dang. Um, Because of that, that you see where the character is moving in one action, you can see where the character's been, which creates a sense of persistent motion in the character. Capes are great because they convey motion in a way where the character isn't like bound by that. So they can have semi-realistic motion like they're, you know, but the cape is doing a lot of work. So that's one of the reasons the cape is is fucking great. Besides, they also communicate. Good. They also communicate gumption and guile and preciousness. And it's pink. <laughs> so it's, it's pink it is, pink. in fact, select button uh, hoodie salmon pink. Oh yeah, it is. It's nice. Um, <laughs> so so that's uh um you know that that kind of gives you an idea of what this looks like very at least what i experienced very blue skies and green forest and that, you know, beautiful ocean that act introduction where he runs towards the camera and it almost looks like it's fucking fluidly animated genius chef, i don't know how they chef's did that incredible chef's kiss at that Absolutely. There's so much that this game did aesthetically that uh, you can tell how late a release this was in the Super Famicom's uh, lifespan. Yeah, this feels yeah. like an early PlayStation game. God. Yeah, this, this is. Game? I mean, this is one year before the N64, I think. So we're we're talking late. Um, Contemporary with PlayStation and Saturn's launch. Yeah. So so they they had a lot of <laughs> of experience and um you know knowledge to be able to to build such a gorgeous looking game. And it looks gorgeous. Um the the items are all very distinct I found like cuz you have a lot of these little those are 8 by 8 sprites I think. Um a lot of little 8 by 8 sprites that are very distinct, very good looking. Um your fairy has a lot of a lot of that's in the motion. I was using the mouse, but I thought the fairy worked really well as a cursor because it didn't feel cursor like at all. Like she kind of follows the mouse in a nice fluid way, which I appreciated. Um, and yeah, just a very gorgeous looking game. Lots of different characters you can meet who have very different sprites. Um, yeah, good looking game. Good looking game. This game, and I'll, I'll get into like what, the uh, character designer and animation director and stuff when we get to investigation but there's some surprises there that i don't think anyone's expecting uh aside from those of us who already know uh however one of the other things i want to highlight is uh there's a lot of subtle touches like uh the water reflecting uh the characters who run by it and uh the sky scrolling in the background in like all scenes and variable lighting in various scenes yeah, there's, there's some beautiful so parallax much. throughout. Like the right at the very end of the game, basically you climb up the tower, and there's about three or four screens, and some of them have like multiple layers of parallax. And like e- each character uh, uh, talks when they're talking, which is a uh, great. But uh, I wanted to do the clarification since I've uh, take a grain of salt. This is the Japanese Wikipedia page that says, and this is obvious, but they go, yeah, I, they were very inspired by the works of Studio Ghibli. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> So they like well, Wonder like, Project J two actually I wanted to make has... a game. I wanted to make a game like 
uh, I want to make a video game that was like that looked like a Studio Ghibli film. So there you the go. The sequel's character designer is actually a Studio Ghibli uh, animator. I don't think they even needed it. They did the, they, this, this game looks. Well, beautiful. we'll talk about who the character designer in this one is later. Stay tuned for that, everyone, for that big surprise, which I don't remember what you said last night. You told it to me, but I forgot because this is who I am. I I'm wasn't even there, so it's a surprise to me. Yeah. I'm a host, not a scholar, baby. Uh, <laughs> I'm a game show host. I don't need to know the trivia. It's on cards in front of me, and I let other people be smart. Um, so, yeah, I think this game is just universally gorgeous, wonderful looking. Um, I'm very curious what people thought of, like, the music, I guess, because, honest to God, I don't remember a single piece of it. I thought it was uh, fine, like, not stunning or particularly memorable, but it fit the game. That that's basically oh except there are two tune there's one tune in particular which is uh, when Pino actually sings himself uh, when he does the full performance at uh, the circus in Act Six or Seven that's that was excellent. Also, the the music that plays when he like finds the treasure in the dungeon has like sort of switches genres like three or four times. It's a really odd song. This game goes a very long way, uh, both artistically and techno- te- technically, technologically, to humanizing its point of focus, which I think is very, very important to how it comes off. He speaks, he throws temper tantrums, he says things like, I hate reading, and stomps on books. Sorry, I hate books, and stomps on books and things like that. Like. Very expressive character, more human than than most video game characters. He's um, not human. He is he is he is incredibly lush as like an animated character. It's like kind of a it's a wonder project to behold. <laughs> Go ahead, Tigress. I was just gonna say uh, the the avocado avocado speaks softly is one of my uh, mom's favorite books. <laughs> I don't know but what yeah, that means, actually, but I'm laughing at it. I do like the little voice samples. There's they're obviously more front-loaded towards the start of the game, but you know when you when he first wakes up, he introduces himself to you, which is cute, and I I think a good use of uh, the very limited space for voice samples on a Super Nintendo cartridge it's sold or Famicom cartridge. It sold me immediately. Like it real like the the way that this game the way that it that it moves. The way that this game feels in motion, like, really sold me immediately. Okay, so I think we can all. Sorry, I'm eating gumdrops. Um, I think we can all agree on the graphics. Music is maybe ranging from forgettable to re- memorably weird and great voice samples. 
I mean, like, I, I, you know, it's not like super. I think the reason it's not especially memorable isn't really because it's like bad, but just because oh, no. it's like it's it's a it, it's a pleasant pastoral anime soundtrack. It, it does yeah, there we it's go. very Ghibli ass. Yeah, it does Ghibli ass or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't seem notable. I I don't think it's. I think it's easier to remember game soundtracks when they're very avant garde and they're doing something weird. This one feels like the music is really complementing everything that's going on in the game very well. It's the fact that there's emotional responses to the game, I feel like is, is partially to the credit of its soundtrack. Like the animation and the soundtrack and the music, they, they work very well together. Yeah, I guess I should be clear when I, you know, non-memorable doesn't necessarily mean bad. And I find a most like very effective soundtracks like in a piece of media tend to be pretty forgettable for me. Um, but it is very, it's a good point. Like it's yeah. not at all jarring. It fits like, with everything very, very well and emphasizes it. Like for example, uh, Chrono, uh, 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 Radical Dreamers soundtrack did fit the game well, but it's also more memorable because it's a weirder soundtrack than this game has. Right. And this is pretty, you know, like you said, a lush anime, Ghibli-esque, Ghibli-esque, whatever. I'm sorry, don't at me about it, but I am sorry I'm I'm doing it wrong. Um <laughs> uh so yeah. I actually don't think there's a right way to pronounce it because technically the Italian word it's taken from would be Ghibli and the uh Japanese pronunciation like the official Japanese pronunciation is Ghibli, so there's there's, no a, there's a wrong answer though, which is what I'm gonna start saying, which is Gubla. Studio Gubla. Cool. Just say it's the only anime studio the, the that uh America that uh, American award shows care about. Everyone will know what you're talking about. You mean the Disney of Japan? <laughs> <laughs> See? I told you there's Disney, Disney in this. <laughs> I'm quitting the podcast. I'm going into a cave so that I can die alone because I feel immense regret about that joke. <laughs> Bye, Tulpa. Actually, I, I, I think you. this is probably like, if I was getting to get technical, this game reminded me a lot of Ghibli sort of in their earlier period before they were doing more stuff that I feel like was more, a little bit less, a little bit less mainstream and a little bit like here are, here are the, 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 the fixations of, of the people directing it. Like, you know how, like how, all the early Ghibli shit is all like, here's a billion planes. Cause Miyazaki loves planes. Me too. I Did love that planes. Stop happening. There's less of them for a bit, like before Wind Rises. Like that's not a huge part of, um, like Princess Mononoke. It's not a huge part of Spirited Away. This is a science fiction story too, which is yeah. like like very stereotypically using hatred against robots as a sort of stand-in for racism, which is really interesting to me. I didn't get to see much of it. Um, but it was very, very apparent from even chapter one. Like you can listen to the villagers in in the original or in the very first chapter, and they're like, "Oh, aren't these robots so useless? We should kick them off this island." And it basically turns out that the robots lived here first, and then the humans colonized it and used them like as labor. And now we're like, "Well, let's get rid of them." I mean, it's very like it's it's dark from what I saw. So um, I'll be. So yeah, this this is a sci-fi story, and I think that's worth talking about in in here as well as sort of where that goes. I honestly don't know where it goes because I don't do my research. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a game show host. I can't believe that the Animatrix just ripped off this 
Also, <laughs> obviously, we've moved on, but I don't care. I'm shrug, and I say what I want when I want to. I wonder how much latitude at a technical level they had to fill this game with extremely lush and detailed and fluid boy animations because you don't have direct control over the boy. So you don't have to have like snappy, whatever. That's it. I'm I sorry. feel like that's Please probably continue. the reason they uh, made, made sure the controls were indirect point and flick adventure like. One thing I want to know uh, while talking about the boy's animations is that because he has four different personality types on top of the moods he can fall into, uh, that means Pino uh, has a lot of different animation sets that uh, many people would probably not see all of them or even like uh, half of them just playing casually. It's just once you get to the point of just like, Knowing exactly how to manage the numbers game, you can see all kinds of variation. I assume that it's probably fixed, but did everyone else see like the uh, the skanking victory dance when he like <laughs> wins the soccer game? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I think you get that. I assume you get that if you get first place. Because that rules. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's basically just the start of his sprinting animation, like repeated both ways, but it it turns into a little dance. It's a really uh, cute reuse of animation. That's smart. I definitely saw him actively fantasize about winning a soccer game about like a half an hour into my playtime. And it happened so often that I started like praising him for doing it. And it was great. <laughs> this game, no, like when I say this game works very hard to humanize the, the point of focus, like I am not fucking kidding. Like, he is so lush. He is so full of life. He is like impossible to take your eyes off of. Like every time he does anything, it's so full of like, it's so full of feel. Like I feel like I can, I feel like I can hear his like his, his skeleton like fucking molt every time he like touches like a wall. With his <laughs> oh, which he does this often. Is, this is a question I have for everyone else. Did anyone ever actually? get mad at the at pino because i never did I, a, little, like, a little bit no no matter how much he fucked up i was always just like very happy watching him so i yeah, not at all I it, it, you, it took God, me two I'm weeks to win golf I, I am apparently the worst person <laughs> i didn't get i didn't get frustrated with avocado uh specifically but i did get frustrated with the game Oh yeah, I was separating out getting frustrated with the game and getting frustrated with Avocado. Because I got frustrated one time, I tried to stop him from running and clicked on the well next to his house, and he <laughs> jumped up onto the edge of the well, and I was like, look at me, I have perfect balance, and fell into the well. Amazing. That, ha that happened with me, but he had perfect balance, so he was fine. I, I got annoyed with him because I didn't know what I was actually getting annoyed with was myself. Like, because mm. I had been using the hammer, because I I didn't know how to trigger it, because I I have a bad habit of just like slamming my finger on buttons a lot. So I was using the hammer more than I should have, and I hadn't realized. Oh, I'm, I'm doing that. That's why he refuses to do anything and literally ran out of power because he wouldn't eat a pudding because he was so mad at me. 
I, I will say I got annoyed at him the third time he ripped up a book. I was like, come on, dude, can you not? But I, I, I was frustrated. It ended up, like you said, being frustrated with myself for not understanding how this worked. Like once I started being like, every time he would throw the book, I'd be like, all right, go do something you like, like lift this weight again. It's very, I was, I, I started being like, okay, this is my fault. I'm fucking this up. He's just a, he's just a robot. He's just a kid. He's just doing what's right there. It's fine. It's fine. Really, I never asked for this. I'm sorry, but did you really think he's just a robot? Like, I seriously doubt that. Yeah, I really want to talk about that because uh, I... we were actually starting to talk about, like, you know, there being robots, basically, as being science fiction. I never asked for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I want to talk about the robot stuff, but Rudy... You mentioned wanting to bring up a translation note before we do a heavy thing. So what's your translation thing? Well, uh, first I wanted to ask, uh, because of the previous game, Radical Dreamers, uh, so how was the, how was the, the technical, the technicalities of the hack, how was the, like the, the tech speed in that? Was that fine for y'all this time? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Way better. Way better than Radical Dreamers. Serviceable. I mean, given that this is a translation from 2001, I'm, actually impressed with what? how solid it is. Yeah, this what? this is a 19-year-old translation. It is. It's good. In my opinion. It's very good. Oh. I don't know what the original Japanese was saying, but the technicalities of it are just fine. But there was this absolutely wonderful thing about it. Like, the game asks you if you want to keep going, like a lot of older video games do, and you can say no. And in most games that would say, do you want to turn off the console? In this translation, it said, exit your emulator. <laughs> That's kind of funny. That's great. It's great. <laughs> Definitely, like, the the amount of this game's translation that I experienced, it felt very warm. It uh, it felt like, it felt native. Like, like, uh, like it was written in English. You could, it, it felt like a, it felt like the person translate, whoever is translating this was really, really taking a lot of care with it. Now, I, I, obviously, I don't know the original Japanese version, but the language felt very naturalistic and it didn't have like a lot of jokes. Like there weren't a lot of obviously inserted by translator jokes. It felt very in sync. Like I didn't even think about how it was a fan translation. Uh, it was Definitely so naturalistic. Like a tales of translation. So what was the uh, confirmed cancel uh, dialogue in English? Uh, like at the shop? Was it just confirm cancel or buy, don't buy? Yes. Yes, no. Yes, no. Yes, no. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, it, I don't know if this is boring for me to just say with the Japanese. The Japanese is sort of interesting because it was uh, less the player saying yes, no. It was much more of, of Pino saying yes, no. It was like, it, it was like, it was like uh, I would maybe translate it as that'd be the, uh, it, it was ine and dame, uh, like uh, <laughs> like like more like more like a uh, I guess more like the parent saying it's okay if you buy this or no we can't buy that. <laughs> oh, that's really great! That that's delightful. I like that. Oh, Tomato was one of the translators on this. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, I did. I should have done my research on this. Um, uh, full transparency, I've been doing anything but working on podcast stuff for the past week and a half because I've been depressed. So, you know, it explains my unpreparedness other than my game show host qualities, which I'm actually, I'm really leaning into this because I want to get a very sparkly suit. Um, Sorry, go on, Rudy. <laughs> uh, you got to work on your, you got to work on the, the game show stat. Um, you have to work on shit. 
Perfect. Do people have any thoughts on uh, Gijin being left untranslated? I mean, Gijin is the, is the game's word for Android, essentially. Um, and it threw me off, personally, just because I didn't, I'm didn't. i not good at registering fantasy words. And I know it's not a fantasy word because it's Japanese, or maybe it isn't. I don't fucking know. But words I don't recognize in English, I have a hard time with. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's basically Android or Automaton. I mean, or ro- you could just do robot in this case. Gijin in most instances in the Japanese ROM and in all instances in the manual is always written is written in katakana, so it has the uh, effect of being like a it looks loanword ish even though it's not. Yeah, and is this here where I complain about every English uh, video review uh, missubscribing mis- mis- that as Gaijin? Oh, Jesus! I think you just did. Yep, yep. This is the place. This is the place for that, please. Uh, I mean, that's that's uh, that's basically it. Um, Assuming that the fan translators made a mistake with a language you don't speak was especially irritating about the one instance you found, or the one uh, instance where they had a rationale. Yeah, no, no, it's it. They they got it right. I mean, I I think it's an interesting choice that they didn't translate it. There's a, there's a few points where I was like really confused, like uh, all of you using the uh, using the nondescript items, the the stat manipulation items, because I could not parse what those were supposed to be, so I never used them, and they weren't sold at the shop, so I couldn't go to the shop to get a description of what they did. Uh, they were sold at the shop. They were. Yeah. yeah. The eight the. The CPUs, uh, I mean, we can probably get a little into how weird it is that this game, which is otherwise so charming, still includes, like, uh, uh, blood-type fortune-telling elements. But the, the Japanese is charming, and uh, I'm happy here the the, uh, the translation was held with all, all the grace and effort, and probably it seems all of you have extremely positive views of the translation, so that's cool. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was... Now it's time for me to talk again more because we're going to talk about parenting, right? <laughs> okay. Maybe getting into robot politics because, like, you ask me, Mara, if I saw this kid as a robot. And because of there their, their being lights and numbers, like, I, you know, you can't open up a kid's brain and see how they think. Um, I started not necessarily treating Maybe him. Maybe you can't. <laughs> yeah. I think someone needs to try a little harder with their child rearing. Yeah, I'm gonna next time I meet a kid, I'm gonna open up their skull. <laughs> um, Trepanine's I'm... back in style, baby. Well, you don't you don't open up their skull. You just pause the game and open up the menu. So right, oh, I want I want to hear you finish your thought because like my primary thesis about this game basically has to do with this. Like I think there was, a... I'm very curious as well. There's a, there was a real tension in my brain between the idea of treating the kid as a kid and treating the kid as a robot because you can see the numbers. And so it was hard for me to get away from the idea of just manipulating the numbers, even as the kid was being very, very charming. And that the actual approach to raising this robot was essentially try to be balanced, kind, and fair, even though mechanically that ended up in numerical results. There was a real tension there, which I felt constantly. Um, so that's that's where that lives in my head. I didn't have a, a clear feeling about this kid, especially because I started to feel the grind of the game uh, pretty pretty early on. So, um, yeah, it's it, it was a weird space for me. So, uh, my feeling is, like, pretty similar to yours. Um, I'll say, like, like the, the thing that it does the best is to cause that friction 
I I cared about avocado immediately. And then there were all these like game things getting in the way. And I want to hear everybody else's take before I talk more about it. But that was like uh that was like the primary like joy and difficulty that I got out of playing this. One of one of the things I love about this game, and I'm kind of getting caught up in that in side talk, is that it calls into question like why we uh, think of robots as necessarily distinct from humans in a very like not, it it doesn't beat you over the head with like oh robots and humans are exactly the same. It doesn't beat you over the head with it, but it was so like like it felt like that shit was in my body within like 20 minutes like, yeah it has a magic that works on you like, it, it's to that specific question yeah it's a very yeah. rossum's universal robots kind of vibe well I, I i don't think rossum i think frankenstein frankenstein is a story about fa- failed parenting this is the opposite of frankenstein but frankenstein I, isn't a robot either frankenstein is a constructed being made by a scientist it, it, not them not being made out of metal is is kind of like in in the thinking about robot fiction that sort of anti that that's not antithetical that's sort of per, that, that's sort of beside the point because every like so many robot stories build on the idea of frankenstein right well and pino is an interesting case within the game itself because he's often mistaken for a human yeah. So that's that's sort of, he's but he like functionally place. he is a human. Like, so it's really Frankenstein is constructed of corpses because the 19th century was all about vivisection. Yeah, um, and robots are narratives about intelligent robots um, are are about robots because um, well we know we can't put bodies together anymore yeah. to, and animate them um, because, Hey, though, now we're in the post-industrial age and it's no longer a like uh, romantic mythologization of whatever, but the way that the, the uh, system of empathy or relation works is very similar um, in this. You, to uh, do the thing that I do, which which is to underline everything, because I'm incapable of having my own thoughts, but to elaborate on other people's here's thoughts, um, in raising uh, uh, the puppet boy, not really a puppet boy, and raising the robot boy that looks like a famous puppet, you obviously, uh, in theory, unless you're extremely frustrated by the process because it's too occluded, but whatever. Uh, in theory, you develop empathy for the puppet boy, and you relate to the puppet boy in the same way that, as Tigris says, you come to relate to Frankenstein's monster. I think, indeed, most... Uh, what is humanity, if not blah, blah, blah? <laughs> yeah, I, it, Rudy's having a, a, a real-life uh, familial... Uh, not emergency necessarily, but <laughs> I did I did think that's ironic. So Rudy, I don't know if there's anything you kind of want to bring up before you might have to go. Yeah, yeah, because you know real life happens. I got a I got an actual. Uh, well, I mean Pino's an actual child too, but I got an actual child over here 
and it's the middle of the day and the rest of the family is now trapped in the trapped in the bedroom while i'm in the kitchen recording so we can't have lunch yeah uh the game did uh like you know at a certain point it's it stressed me out because i mean it's it's you know it's you know art is escapism and it was doing the same thing you know i i try to stop things from going into my child's mouth and <laughs> i was trying to stop things from going into the child's mouth and for pino yeah yeah the, the yeah. one good thing that that scott adams ever did uh, it was make a comic about how babies will put things up to the size of a toaster in their mouths. And the only, the only solution is to nail boards to things to make sure it can't fit past their gullet. That's the only good thing Scott Adams ever did. And it stuck with me to this day because I just imagine mouth proofing your house is not something most people ever thought they'd have to do. This game is a parenting simulator right up to the, uh, things in mouths. Yeah. And, and trying to figure out what's the, what, what is the, proper response do you do you like you know do you let them make mistakes or do you do you intervene and uh it has a lot of those same sort of decisions uh that you do in uh real parenting in a naturalistic way shit wrecked to be rudy that's sort of where i like take umbrage to like the the robot like analogy because like it's not a pinocchio narrative at all you're not teaching a you know it's a at least well, I mean, the, the thing is, Pinocchio is always a real boy, but go on. Yeah, right. Yes. I mean, it's not like a robot where it doesn't understand the... I mean, it, it doesn't understand the... You're, you're teaching it to be human, but you're teaching... You teach all children to be human. Like, you don't start off human, it's a bunch of learned behaviors. If, if, you, uh, if you get uh, Pino's imagination and reasoning too high with his kindness kind of low, he sometimes just sits on the ground and says, I don't think I'm a real person. Oh shit! Which is one of the most Aww. like that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's an Gross. extremely heartbreaking thing to just happen sometimes. He's not being kind to himself. Oh my god! Um, well, I think I think the game is establishing a a narrative, uh, like a, a bilinear narrative of of separating robots and humans, and uh, almost all of us immediately go, "There is no difference." Which I mean, the the premise of the story is there is a difference, even if there isn't. Well, I think like, but I mean, also the robots have like children, and like, functionally, Pino is just like a kid that can eat anything, and, like <laughs> jump really yeah, high. I, you know, he's like a super kid, but like, he doesn't have anything about him that's particularly robot or automata-like, other than being able to spin his head. Spin his I, head, and you can look, look, you can look at his stats. That's the thing that throws me off I, entirely about everything. Yeah, but you can look I, at the stats of like Cloud Strife, and he's considerably less human than Pino. Cloud Strife does not walk around on his own. And it is not your job to take care of him, right? It's your job to be him. And that, that, that's, a, that's kind of a different... That, it's a huge difference. In, in well, actually, we can look at other stuff like uh, Chow's in like, Sonic Adventure. Yeah. Right? Those have stats as well. Care. And Robot stories aren't about robots. Even when they're literally about metal people, they're never about robots in other contexts. Okay? Like, child rearing, parenthood, and anxieties about parenthood are one of the most common themes in robot stories. The others are, are generally stuff like um, racial tensions and labor tensions, which are basically the same thing in the context of robot stories. The idea of a group of laborers who are 
who you have to otherize to justify you're doing it. Now that's not how a car, a robot works in an actual factory. But when we're talking about robot fiction, that is that stuff. That is the core of robot stories. That, I, that's, that is the, that's why I was bringing up yeah, uh, Rossum, Rossum's Rossum. universal robots. Because, because it is all about anxieties about labor and it is all about anxieties about child rearing. Yeah. Uh, and Rossum's universal robots uh, is famously where we get the word robot from but it's also like a really wonderful example of how robot fiction right from the start was about uh race and labor issues in a very direct way and rossum's universal robots they are they're synthetic but they're made out of flesh yeah like, yeah they're artificial flesh story, and blood. Yeah. they're not machines the, the idea and it's got all of the seeds of later stuff including shit like terminator in it but there's no machines, there's no mechanical stuff, and they act like people, right? Because the point of robot fiction is nine times out of ten, not that it's about an actual robot, it's about using robots as a metaphor for people. And you can talk all day about whether the polit- politics of that are good or not, but that is, that's what robot fiction is. And I just wanted to, I wanted to say that because it's like one of the most personal, important subjects in science fiction to me, and I just wanted to get out there. Now, I think we might be getting a bit into like, so this one's getting all blurry and I think we might be getting a bit into investigation because I want to like bringing in extra mechanical, extra game stuff like that's outside of it um, is a really good spot to do that. Um, so unless I, there's any objections, I think maybe we can move on to the next category, which is, uh oh, uh oh, oh no, it's, a salary band corner. What's this about? Did I forget that this was going to happen for a moment? Yes, I did. Um, did I forget to send a game out to everyone? Yes, I did. But Rudy saves the day. <laughs> And uh, it's time to talk about Dynamite. It is Dynamite? The Las Vegas. Dynamite. It's just misspelled because this is a high quality. Why does it? Why? It's Dynamite. (laughs) Dynamite. Right? Right? (laughs) It's fucked up. So we're going to talk about this game. Salary Man Corner. It's time for Tulpa's remix of that game from Aerobiz, of that song from Aerobiz. Rudy. You say you're back for a moment. Are you back for a moment? Okay. Uh, this is this is a this is a this is a game where you're going to Las Vegas. Uh, you gotta find your you gotta find your uh, your dad's uh, killer. Your dad's a, your dad's a, dad's done murdered by a group of uh, which I thought was well, that was an actual dragon, but apparently it's a metaphor for a uh, for a dragon syndicate for a dragon named Syndicate. Um, by the intro. Uh, and then you uh, you you get to gamble on a whole bunch of games. You could gamble on you could do blackjack and slots and Kino. It was like, cool to see Kino. And the opening the 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 first casino song at least because I only played this game for ten minutes because the because it's a it's a gambling game. So you know how much do you want to do fake gambling for no money? All of all the time. Uh, apparently, according yeah, Dragon to Dragon Quest, is an indication a fair amount of time. <laughs> According to some other uh, websites, uh, it turns out there is an actual dragon in the end. Oh my god. I, and you I, have to defeat the dragon dictator of Nevada uh, at his casino. This sounds like the greatest video game ever made. Why didn't we play it that sucks. instead? 
It fucking sucks. This game is awful. I don't know how how those two things you said can both be true. uh, Because it has like two, it has an opening cutscene and like a cutscene later on, and then the rest of the game is playing really bad uh, conversions of Vegas casino games. Well, I have actually do from a like progression standpoint. You're trying to get VIP status at each casino. So do you just have to get enough money to do that? Yeah. Welcome to the real world. Is there like an indication of how much money you need? Because I played it for a little bit uh, until I got bored of gambling, which I guess maybe means if you go to if you go to the counter in the top right, you need uh, you need thirty thousand dollars for the first casino. Oh, it's almost there. So I I do want to say I I played this game. It's it's shit fucking ugly. It's terrible. Uh, It is impressively bad looking. (laughs) <laughs> it looks whoa, so whoa, bad. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Not even bad, just uh, completely plain outside of that it, opening cutscene. It's a nice oh. contrast to Wonder Project J. Oh, I'm fucking, I'm fucking dropping in after like two hours of silence to uh, start some shit. I think this game looks fine. It is. It looks like a PC Engine game. Uh, Incredible praise. <laughs> Specifically, I thought it looked like another gambling game on the PC Engine called King of Casino, uh, but they do not share developers. I guess that's just sort of a... uh, Gambling games tend to have the same UI, but I do like it's very, like, sparse, Spartan uh, sprite work. I hated how it looked. I thought it was garish. I thought it was um, boring and garish at the same time. Not a fan. The slot machines looked shitty. Hated it. I didn't hear it outside because I was playing on my phone. I didn't have the volume up. But I wanted to say, my, my, my one contribution to this is that uh, gambling games like this, which is kind of like, you know, Caesar's Palace or importantly, Vegas Stakes, um, always make me think of playing Vegas Stakes. I played Vegas Stakes online uh, with a friend on something that was called Z Battle, which was a way to connect with people that and play Super Nintendo games online back in the era of fucking 56K. It's Vegas bad. States is actually called out in one of the reviews I found of this game as like for every Vegas States that is basically decent, there's also this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vegas Stakes is basically decent. And Vegas Stakes is a is a casino game where the odds are ever in your favor, but just barely. So you feel like you're kind of cheating the system. So I, I played this game online with my friend. Like this was prior to voice chat being a thing very much either. So we were just chatting in ZSNES and we figured out that the odds were at, were always in our favor, and we just put money into the slot machine until we beat the game. Um, at the very beginning of Vegas Stakes, it asks you what your greatest wish is, and I thought it would be funny to put in eat pie. Um, and at the very end of the game, at you 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 get enough money to to win the game, which is X amount of dollars, like a hundred thousand. I don't fucking know. Um, and then it goes through all the credits, and then at the very end, it just says to me. You will eat pie, which is <laughs> stuck in my head forever. <laughs> so that was my me and my friends' uh, little catchphrase between each other for a long time was "You will eat pie," which isn't even meant to be dirty. It was just, yeah, it's just fucking, you know, banana cream pie. We got, so, some, <laughs> we got some fucking pie eaters here tonight. <laughs> so that's what I think of when I play gambling games. This game made me think of that, but then it was way worse and it made me sad. So, I mean, uh, interesting things to note is like once you're past the story part, all the, the most of the game is in like all the actual gambling is in, is in English, even if there's misspellings and stuff. So maybe there was a 
wish to bring this, I mean, wish to bring this over to the States, which never happened. Because uh, when you need to draw a card, it says draw. Uh, and there was another spelling error that Kenya caught. Yeah, if, um, you, if you go bust in blackjack, it says burst. That's cool. That's, that's awesome. That's yeah. what it should be called. That's what it's called now. And I know, I know you were, I know you were all on the edge of your seat, wondering about the end of the story. Uh, luckily, someone on the Japanese internet had found the, had beaten this whole game, and uh, turns out the the head of the syndicate is da 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 your father. <laughs> and then, and then he's like, hey, "Son, the syndicate is yours. You you you're the best at gambling. This was all a test to to prove your." And then at the and then and then the uh, the link I show you he's at, he's on the uh, he's sitting on the throne and it's a Conan ending. Is this is this a, the background story for like a Yakuza games mid boss? I mean, if Yakuza took place in Las Vegas, they should make a Yakuza. They should make place in Las Vegas. They, yeah, that'd they be should. That'd, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be a great that'd idea. Be, yeah, I'd, that'd be great. That'd be that roll. <laughs> uh, okay. Anything else to say about this game that we played? Um, I didn't yeah. play it. It was it was boring as shit, and I would never play it again. But it looked like a game on a better system. And honestly, <laughs> as far as like gambling games go, it's not as good as the one that had Adam West in it or that uh, poker game where Joe Piscopo tells a string of uh, continually shittier jokes. And Jonathan Frakes looks like he really does not want to be there. Oh my god, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, and we're going to move on. <laughs> I did not play this game, but from the screenshots that you posted in the chat, it looks like it very much benefited with the speed and force and haste with which it was slapped together. <laughs> I, I am curious what, 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 the, what the gambling game, uh, I assume, Ching Chiro is. I guess I could probably... I'll Google it later. You know, that's 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 for Daddy's time. Speaking <laughs> of Daddy, <laughs> so we're gonna... <laughs> bye, Daddy. Um, so we're gonna um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna move on from Dynamite, the Las Vegas. Uh, remember the game we're talking about with a little boy who's also a robot, who's also a little boy. It's Wonder Project J, and we're gonna talk about investigation. Do, 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 do. investigation investigation is where we talk about stuff that's not in the game uh that could be sequels or manuals or strategy guides or things we found on game facts or anything really this is kind of the free form section for a lot of reasons um i didn't i fucking are you kidding me investigation i didn't investigate anything i was too busy playing fucking minecraft <laughs> i did stuff that's definitely original investigation and not just notes that that rudy sent me I definitely didn't just send Kenya something so I could go take care of my family. You know what? I did do some investigation just now. Uh, I have a contact uh, named Rudiferous. Uh, this game was inspired by director Hano watching a friend play a dog show game called Happy Love. He thought of, what if there was a game to raise a living being? There's, there's four question marks after dog show game. So I'm also unclear on what a dog show game is other than some sort of, you know, best of show simulator. Yeah, I'm, really curious what, I'm really curious what this dog show game was. 
Are dogs not living beings? No. I have to go. <laughs> dogs are I'm living glad beings. I clear that up for you. Don't don't fucking diss dogs. God damn it. <laughs> I, what's it? How is that a diss? I mean, I guess I like I like toasters, but I like dogs way more than toasters. So, and toasters are my example of a non-living being. Both toasters and dogs can bite you. So, what kind of fucking toaster do you have? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying that's, things. That's... I'm hoping something lands. Tulfa, like, are you making breakfast at Jigsaw's house or what? <laughs> I don't know. I just want a joke to land and I'm lost. <laughs> the, the correct answer was, I have the toaster dog from Secret of Evermore. Dun, 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 dun. And you keep saying that's a bad game. It's not. <laughs> Secret of Evermore debate time instead of the rest of the... Jeremy Soul's a piece of shit. All right, moving oh, on. <laughs> but before before we get into that, I, I Lana waited. So let's find out who did the character designs and directed the animation yes, in this game. The character designer was Toshihiro Kawamoto, uh, who is most famous for doing the character designs in Cowboy Bebop. Fuck which, yeah, baby! You know, holy fuck! Was just posted the, oh the evidence we need oh my god oh my god so full disclosure from me i don't walk together in my head holy shit <laughs> this made the motion the character animations ah oh but the dir- the director of the animation is smoke uh, the director of the animation is an even more mind-blowing because i did not expect this uh it is uh umanosuke ida uh, who directed half of Mobile Suit Gundam, the 8th MS team, and uh, directed the Devilman, the Birth OVA. So, you know, not exactly the kind of material you would associate Ooh. with this game. Oh, I mean, one is, like, really, really good. Whatever, you know, whatever pays, pays the bills. I mean, I feel like everyone involved in this was at least a little enthusiastic for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. The enthusiasm for this game shines through. I've... I've the f- so- Frothing oh, enthusiasm for this game increased. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna show my 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 biases too like enthusiastically right now. But like, Eat the Mess Team is a is an anime with uh, astounding attention to detail, which I think yeah. definitely brought to bear in this piece of work. Oh yeah, and even Devil Man the Birth uh, was like one of the good Devil Man projects. And it had an astounding attention to detail, though usually of the form of what sorts of viscera can we fit into this? What comes out of a human or a demon? Oh, it's that Devil Man. Okay. Ah, yeah. It's not the it's not the horrible Devil Man adaptation. It's uh, that one has it's not the new one. I can dub. Uh, (laughs) Yes, this is the one with an incredible dub and much less misogyny than the other Devil Man adaptation. Are we not talking about the Rob Zombie song? We and, and, uh, and no, mean, we're I, talking about this classic Italian anime. Oh, okay. I, you're not the other one. Isn't Crybaby because Crybaby's really, really fucking good. Good anime. Everybody watch. Yeah, Crybaby's great. Uh, this episode every sponsored content, by Netflix. every every content warning for Crybaby, but it rules. Oh yeah, what? don't watch that if you're in a dark place. Go ahead. Which which. Uh... Rob Zombie album is Crybaby on. Uh, Hellbilly Deluxe. It's a secret track at the end. Now, Devilman Crybaby is that uh, action uh, 
game series from the PlayStation 2 era. Uh, the second one, Devil Man Cry Baby 2, is, wasn't as good, but uh, 1 and 3 are great. 3 especially is a keep, classic. Keep working that joke. Keep it going. I didn't know Rob Zombie did any work on the PlayStation. The voice actress they got for Pino is pretty pretty hardcore too. Um, they got uh, Nor- uh, Noriko Hidaka, who also played uh, Akane in Ranma Half. My friends, the longer we uh, put off talking about the cow with sunglasses, the worse it's going to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the cow, cow with sunglasses. sunglasses is one of the greatest character designs to ever appear in any medium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, uh, the cow with sunglasses it is... is possible not to hear the cow with sunglasses speaking in every frame that he is in. Do you want to know how they got the name for this game? Yeah. Okay, so they held a uh, they held a uh, postcard contest in V Jump, um, and the the one with the highest votes was Wonder Project J. That's how they got the name. Wow. I just assumed Wonder Project J came from like Geppetto, just like misreading the name of Doctor. Nope, it was popular vote. Once again, proving democracy is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder Project jerking off. Nope, that's gross. Bye. bye. <laughs> um, it was nice. Are there any crystals in this game? Yeah. <laughs> There is a crystal. There is a crystal. A sense crystal. Thank you, Kenya, for making more work for the Editrix. It makes Pino more sensitive. And if it, it helps is... Shrug, the devel- the uh, directors uh, got their started on Macintosh. I don't know why they specifically mentioned, like, he used to work on Macintosh stuff. Is, is in the fans, Wikipedia article. Mac fans will just... Like, Japanese that's, Mac fans. Like, like uh, that's probably... <laughs> I'm amazed there wasn't a reference to this game in uh, in Serial Experiments Lane, given its Macintosh bona fides. I wonder if they thought about porting either of these two games to the Pippin. Ha! 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 I got the joke. I got it. I didn't. That's okay. You know what? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think where to go with this. We got a bunch of, like miscellaneous stuff but i just i want to synthesize you know i i wonder if i kind of want to synthesize everything we've been talking about but i'm wondering if revelation is a spot for that um because that's my big thing so in any case what what else we got for investigation in 2008 this was voted the number one game that they wanted a remake of uh in in some japanese poll i mean i'm 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 reading lots of the japanese wikipedia page but uh (laughs) I would love a remake of this game. Like one of the weird things about emulating this is that there's no way to control mouse sensitivity in RetroArch um, or probably any emulator. Um, And it doesn't go one-to-one with your mouse because that's not really how the Super Nintendo handles that input. So what I had to do was lower my mouse DPI to ridiculously small levels. (laughs) That sucks. You know, you know, it'd be really cool with this is just remake, you know, re-release the game on, the switch or whatever with a slightly better, you know, like use the analog stick analogishly. That would be, that would solve a lot of the problems with trying to play this game with a D pad, you know? Also, this game was, a, was a $110 at release. That's insane. Oh my God. Holy fuck. I mean, yeah, I can't say that it would not have been worth it. It's, it's yeah. a one of a kind game. That might be the highest price yeah. I've seen just for a basic super Famicom game ever. It's only $20 more than Fantasy Star 4, which is why Sega <laughs> <the> console war. 
Sega. I love that, especially in Japan. Sega, well known for winning the 16-bit console wars in 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 Japan. Sega. Hello, well, everyone. And there's no Nintendo Land Arcade over there. <laughs> uh, yeah, you tell me who the winner is. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what what else have we got for investigation here? I, feel I don't like know if anybody's like... mentioned the uh, the developers were also involved with Evo. Yeah, they made Evo before they made this. Oh, that's a really good. That's a really good comparison because that game feels a bit like a primitive version of this. Like, what if you took that like very mechanical thing and made it a lot more fluid? Yeah, it's yeah. Somehow it seems really like obvious knowing it. I'm not entirely certain like why, but it seems like they're both sort of. Uh, I don't know if gamifying sort of concepts of life, but gamifying like broad concepts of evolution and and uh, and growth and uh, generational um, generational growth. Like they're trying like to long time. make they're trying to make games out of experiences and things that have not been made into games uh, very much before. I mean, this was not the first Raising Sim, but this is the one that feels like it's meant to be a Raising Sim that has anything to do with actual parents. Yeah, I feel like... The, uh, the weird fantasy of Princess Maker. I feel like this works a lot better than than Evo, but like they both sort of start with a um, kind of intuitive concept, and then about two-thirds of the way through, they sort of realize they have to keep mixing things up in the game and they sort of like pervert it a little bit in in evo's case i remember there's a point where you're not you're no longer i mean actually i guess you're not really but like the start of evo has like the idea that there's a linear process of evolution where you just keep going up and up and up whereas the later part of it and it's been a while since i played it i could be totally mistaken in this the later part of it you're sort of abusing the systems to uh not really move upward but to sort of shift around and i feel like that's mirrored somewhat in wonder project j where like the latter part of the game you're you're no longer teaching him things you're reteaching him things instead i think a uh, parallel that you can draw between the two things and the the fact that they both come from the developer isn't that much of a surprise to me it's just like um gamifying and systematizing uh processes that like are of interest to literally everybody on the planet that I can think of, you know, outside of extremely exceptional circumstances and that are too complex to really be systematized or gamified in the way that they are being, you know, gamified. So like, it's like an aspirational and experimental kind of approach to like the grand systems of life. Like, um, why, are like why do we exist the way that we do like uh both biologically and like psychologically that's my i'm a fucking blowhard <laughs> no i i think that it's for so i i'm part of what i i think we failed to really talk about was the overarching story and part of that is on me for not finishing the game and not watching a let's play and not reading the story i'm kind of reading about it now um and there's there's a sort of through line of like what it means to be a human, right? So we're teaching this kid to be a human, but we're also learning ourselves what it means to impart those values on someone else. Halfway through the story, you also receive a uh, 
uh, a circuit <laughs> that it basically am- ambigans um, uh, Pino's heart called a heart yeah. circuit. And it's called sometimes you have to fight. And that feels very like relevant to what it means to be a human, right? Like so it's not all kindness and caring. It's also fighting like out of kindness. Um, if you know, I, if but, I may be so bold, that seems kind of prescriptive to me. Wait, what do you mean? I mean, that seems like very much like a, like a cultural prescription for how to raise somebody. Oh, for sure. And that's what it is very interesting. Like there, there is a message here. Like as much as this is a simulationist game, they're saying something very specific. And I think that's interesting. Um, so yeah, th- I, I don't exactly know where the story goes, but it basically seems like you're trying to end oppression through kindness and some violence, <laughs> which is very they, video gamey. What they what they make the game about is that they 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 task you with um, uh, raising a child who is of a race that is uh, oppressed and also uh, not definitely of the uh, like you know the theoretical race that you are. Uh, this kid is a robot, right? But like, I cannot, like, I have a hard time conceiving of anybody who doesn't like spend five seconds staring at like this, like cute little precious boy and think of him as a robot in any sense. The same way that I feel like uh, I don't really want to know people who who, like uh, spend the first like hour and a half of Pinocchio thinking of Pinocchio as, as a doll. You know, uh, like they, they they task you with the objective of of, of raising this uh, quote unquote robot, and they give you like a really, really, really just woefully frustratingly limited vocabulary in which to do it. And there is, I something very very important is being communicated. I don't know whether it's intentional or not. I feel like they must have been trying to emulate the experience of parenthood. I don't know if they did it. There are parents in this, like in this, uh, this cohort right now, uh, who could speak to it better than I could. I have had a baby, but I'm not necessarily a parent. Um, but like, it was so hard for me to not um, feel very vulnerable and very weak, like very weak in the face of like, I, I can speak to it more specifically. I want to let other people talk about it first, but like to sum it up, like the, the main problem that I had with this game is that everything was about my kid and none of it was about the world that my kid lived in. And I couldn't draw any attention to that. And I couldn't, what I wanted in this game was a comfort button. Like when he cried after the dog bit him, after he kicked the dog, I wanted a way to say to him, you shouldn't do that, but it's okay. Right? Because like, fuck, I would have wanted that shit. Like, I would have wanted it. I feel like the writing of this game, like, really, really, really lacks, like, uh, um, the writing and the design of this game, uh, 
like maybe purposefully or not lacks something very, very, very important about the experience of like trying to teach another living thing, how to exist in the world and how to take care of another living thing. And it just, it made me feel so many things. A lot of them, a lot of them like warming, but most of them like really, really distressing. I want to let other people talk now because I feel like this is going on too long. I think that's really interesting because <laughs> maybe this is just on me. When when Pino kicked a dog and the dog barked at him, I was like, that's what you get, buddy, for kicking a dog. <laughs> I don't feel at all bad for you. <laughs> I felt so much about the fact that like the first things that happened in this game uh, were like the, the Tinkerbell told me that I could hit my child and then my <gasps> went outside for the first time. And one of the first three things that he did was kick a fucking dog. And then after the dog bit him, he cried. And then I didn't know what to do because like I was told that I could, I could praise my child or I could scold him and that's it. Right. But when a dog get when, when a kid gets bit by a dog after the kid bites a dog, scolding and praising is not a nuanced enough vocabulary to handle that shit. It's just not. And it like, this isn't the primary thing that made me feel so uncomfortable with the game, but it is one of the things that made me ache while I was playing it. There was, I, I felt so vulnerable and so attached to, uh, avocado or Pino, uh, like, like it took like five minutes for this to happen because he just feels so, uh, real and so expressive and like, uh, like so moe in a way. Yeah. I'm sorry if that's like a shitty way to put it, but like, 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 and then I was just given such a, such a lacking, um, vocabulary with which to train him. And I was also just like told at the very outset that like, he's made up of 16 statistics, you know? And like, it just made me feel like kind of every time, like every time he does anything, those four lights blink. I have no idea what they mean. I don't know whether the, the stat is going up or it's going down, but I know that every time this kid does anything, uh, it's, it's affecting his whole life and the way that he views the entire world around him. And I can't do anything about it because all I can do is say yes or no. And like, Oh, that's fucking tough. Like this game is really good for making that 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 feeling so like raw in me. Uh, obviously, we're uh, dealing with uh, the limitations of uh, uh, attempting to like virtual pet a little boy on the super famicom in 1995 or what have you or 94 you know the mid 90s anyway um and that's responsible for uh, a lot of what's going on um in terms of the lack of granularity of feedback um there might also be uh, cultural factors that go into it that are beyond my ken certainly but in effect whether intentional or not i do not have any children i've only uh 
witnessed first in stages and then more frequently because they move closer. Uh, my sister's kids being raised and the uh, sort of wild swings in mood and capacity for like empathy and behaving like actual human beings and or pushy monsters, selfish uh, beasts, etc. <laughs> like in effect, giving you such a low capacity or, or low granularity of input, just yes, you did good or no, you did bad, um, might to a degree almost reverse uh, simulate a young child's capacity to understand the sort of uh, feedback oh, that they receive. Oh, that's a really interesting point. Um, or, you know, I could just be pulling this out of my... Uh, Ancient and weary butthole, but I think it's a very good head. point pulled from your ancient and weary butthole. Okay. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting that your vocabulary is so restricted because I agree it would be lovely to have a comfort button, but it would also it it would uh, remove the tension of the game if you could just comfort this kid. Uh, but you can't because everything's uh, your interface with them is kind of through their lens, as Shred was saying, that like uh, the only things this kid will understand uh, is yes and no. And that's not necessarily a commentary on all parenting, but it's uh, the constraints that this game affords you uh, in order to make it a game instead of uh, an impossibility. Yeah, as someone with a soon-to-be two-year-old, uh, I think the uh, the simulation is certainly imperfect, but it does a good job of sort of uh, at least simulating the sort of confusion of parenthood where you have this like creature that is somewhat human, but not entirely. And like the way that we think of, you know, it does not, it doesn't think like a normal human being. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you sort of struggle to communicate something to it. Oh my god, this is so oh, this perfect. is perfect. <laughs> has, this is perfect audio timing. It has not yet learned the the uh, uh, set of acceptable behaviors that uh, you know. You know, and it's it's yeah. very sweet, but just as likely to be very destructive for for no real reason. Uh, or because it thinks it's interesting to to eat the book, or it wonders what will happen. Yeah, yeah. My all of my experiences with young, young, young children is that they're essentially aliens who don't know what anything is, um, and that it's very important for them to be able to test things and eat books and read books. You know, like th these are are important things. And communicating with a a less than two year old is essentially yes, no, and you know, yeah, you can hug. I mean, that's a big thing. Yeah, but. yeah. There's like the the yes, no, and then within the no, there's the do they actually understand this, or am I just making them miserable? You know, like the, the level of uh, communication does seem about accurate to to Pino, where like Pino is like drawn as an older child, but it does feel like it makes a lot more sense if we're talking about Pino as if they are just a particularly precocious toddler. 
What if, what if Pina was a precocious toddler with the strength of 0.75 men? Like pretty, pretty scary, really, if you think about it. Um, I, I'm kind of, okay, so we're, we're at basically two hours at this point. So I would like to kind of give space for our final thoughts on the game, um, which is, of course, the, the, the category of, of revelation. But did anybody have any final investigation notes they wanted to, to, to cover? I do wonder, having stared at that screenshot of old man fam for a while, would that translation decision have been made in a world where Method Man had never released and never recorded and released Release Your Delph? I think it would have. Uh, I but don't know. I have one I mean, actual I bring it to this whole damn fam, understand if you frontin' on any man down in the clan I be coming. For the headpiece you can't cope. For my brother I bring it to the hope word to mother. Serial killer style from the aisle. But there's, there's something to think about. I did have one <laughs> final bit of investigation to bring up, which is uh the proverbial elephant in the room. That is uh Carlo Tolodi's uh Pinocchio, the novel that was an obvious inspiration for this game. Uh, and how its views on parenting differ very sharply from this game's, such that uh, the slight bits of prescriptiveness like uh, you have to fight uh, feel very tame compared to uh, Pinocchio, which is outright fascist propaganda before fascism was technically a thing. But it, it's very much children have to conform and having fun is evil is the literal moral of uh, Pinocchio. Love it. Yeah, comparatively, Wonder Project J is an extremely modern piece of media. <laughs> Children need to learn things through experience, and uh, conforming is not even an option. <laughs> I think I think we're I honestly think we're good on this. So what we're going to do is move over to uh, Revelation. Revelation is where I try to give everybody a little bit of time to just speak on their own about the game, what it meant to them. We have eight, seven people now. Well, maybe eight with close toddler. Um, <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have we have seven people who can speak English in a coherent enough way. Um, I do want to keep things relatively. <laughs> I I want to keep things relatively short. So I'm going to give everybody a a kind of soft time limit of 60 seconds i'm going to put a link to a 60 second timer in google so you can time yourself because i do i do want to keep it sort of short but please and i i'm gonna go um uh first just to see if i can fit it in there we'll see how it goes um and then i think i think we'll go in reverse alphabetical order if that works for everybody we could just keep it in a good order that way so um okay hold on so this game stressed me the fuck out 
um, in a way that I wasn't expecting. I loved Pino. I wanted him to succeed. He also pissed me off. Um, and I had a hard time dealing with the repetition of the game. But it, it brought me back to early days of dealing with Tamagotchi, of dealing with black and white and creatures. Uh, I thought it was beautiful, wonderful, and effective in a way that games don't even usually approach, don't even get close to. Um, it, it sort of stands alone in its interesting design combined with its aesthetic. It's very human in a way that many games that would deal with this kind of thing are not. Um, and it's going to stick with me for a long time, especially after this conversation, after relating it to parenting, after relating it to Pinocchio, um, and after talking about J.O. Crystals very briefly. Um, so I give this game a score of 79 out of 100 torn up book pieces. It's a good game. Thanks, everyone. So that was a minute and like two seconds. So I think we can do this. I think we can really do this. So um, Tolpa, I'm going to have you go next and we're going to go up the list. So Mara, you're going to go last. Uh, I hope that's okay. But I think you might have a good note to end us on. So um, all right, Tolpa, you're next. Go for it. Uh, like I said at uh, the opening, this game was one of the first times I really considered that games could be outside of the typical genres and they could do something fundamentally new uh and i think this game still like stands out as something not quite like anything else because it can be compared to like black and white and creatures and other games even within its own series but uh it it has enough differences uh that, uh, that make it just like an absolutely unique work i don't know i i think it, it's hard to overstate just how uh, impactful this game was on 11-year-old me. Uh, in short, uh, human, Gijin, it doesn't matter. Uh, your song was beautiful nonetheless. It's Rudy. I'm recording this later because my real-life Pino caused me to leave mid-cast. I played this game in the dark inches from my television with a sound barely audible, uh, afraid that the new life directly behind my head was going to wake me up. As I tried to make Pino do things, it reflected the stress and uh, joy I was taking from my real human life. Uh, and that way, the game is charming and effective, um, especially on the Super Famicom. Uh, and even if the stat manipulation ultimately caused me to quit, I believe it is a game everyone should play. Uh, I give it 95 out of 100 torn books. My turn. Okay, finally. Uh, no more being quiet for me. Okay, so um, I hmm, don't necessarily have like a as personal a connection to the small child that a lot of other people did. Um, but as far as the game itself did, I've been playing it uh you know every so often since like the early 2000s when it got its uh, first fan translation so it's still a little important to me as far as showing me um how games can be a lot different than what was uh really around at the time or at the very least something that wasn't on the original playstation um okay hold on let me pierce my thoughts here um so uh, there are definitely limitations, like Mara said, as far as like um, how to treat uh, Pino. Also, like a lot of um, 
uh, a litter uh, allegorical fiction. It does uh, kind of bungle its racism allegory, um, but that's to be expected. Uh, uh, what, what's my time, Kenya? I wasn't timing you. <laughs> I was expecting you to time yourself. Oh, shit. Oh, no, a bad I've been speaking so fast. I was like, shit, I, I don't know what the time is. I think you're around 50 seconds, so you got 10 seconds. Go. <laughs> okay, uh, game gets a, a 95 out of 100. It owns, um, but it's not perfect. Okay, goodbye. Thank you. I'm sorry. Do, do you want me to, to, to... Wait. Wait, who's next? Hold on. Do you want hey. me to... I'm Hugh. I'll be good. Okay, all right. Thank you, Ramona. I don't think I spent enough time with this game to entirely know its true depths. However, uh, the game was utterly charming, and I appreciate every aspect of the craftspersonship I experienced. Lovely graphics, lovely narrative. It did make me feel things, even when I was frustrated with it. And, um... It is far and away the least creepy game from this era using the uh, Princess Maker formula. Uh, <laughs> I believe Princess Maker predated this. Uh, people can be angry on, with me on the internet if I got this wrong. Um, it's way better. You should play this. And God, I ramble too much. Anyway, uh, I think this is one of, a really great example of like the archetypical stories about robots and it's a very interesting look at those in a way you don't usually see at a very different perspective it's not just the part where you have to shut down a robot uprising but the part where you have the synthesis with the other and trying to understand the other through interaction and that's what i think is especially good about this game uh, I was going in cold on it, but the conversation made me realize I think this is actually really cool. Uh, I'm going to give this, uh, let's say, an 80 torn book pages because I, you know, I, I, I still was frustrated by how long it fucking took to do some of the stuff with, uh, with this big of a possibility of permadeath in it. Did we discuss the permadeath? We didn't. But Shit. it's there. I, hi, everyone. There's permadeath in this game. I'll get there. Save, save a lot. <laughs> okay, I didn't realize that. Fuck. Um, you can run out of money before you have the ability to make money. That is. That That's is not what I'm talking about at all. Okay, I'll be very interested. Probably okay. the, the dungeons get there. and stuff like that. I will get oh. there. Oh, okay. All right, Shrug, you're up next. Are you good timing yourself, or would you like me to time you? I got it. Cool. Hit me. Wonder Project J is a video game in which I never found the crystal. And perhaps because I never found the crystal, I never really had any thoughts about Wonder Project J other than he, he had no strings except the ones that I bound him with. Not the crystal, which I never found, but the boy. I'm so tired. Um, 70 out of 100 arbitrary score units. I'm sorry. Seven, six, five, four, three, <laughs> two, one, zero. I even heard a beep. Good job, Shrug. Uh, never apologize for being a Shrug. Uh, always apologize for being a fascist, but you're not. Nobody on this cast is. That's what the if I am, thing. though? You're not. Shrug. Only Carla Colodi is guilty. <laughs> All right, close. I will name. never write a Pinocchio. 
<laughs> All right, closed. You're you're next. Uh, I think this game is really interesting for me, at least, because I this is my second time playing it, and the last time I played it was I think literally half my lifetime ago. Um, and obviously now I'm a parent, and that that sort of changes things a little bit. Uh, I think all the interactions with Pino are really charming and cute. Um, but I think as an allegory, the you know the the story is sort of confused. And I think something we didn't really touch on is that there's a pretty high body count uh, in the game, and there's a lot of Gijin that are killed uh, honestly by your little cute Robo-san. Uh, and that felt really odd to me. Honestly, like the first one of the first interactions is teaching him to throw a ball to like kill an evil mouse robot. Um, and obviously, so in that sense, it gets uh, a bit confused, but I would give it 85 out of 100. Excellent. 85. We got some pretty high scores, you know, 79, 80, 85, something else. All right. <laughs> All right. Mara, it is your turn. Hit me with those 60 seconds. So uh, you can tell I went to theater school. Uh, three, two, one, go. I think that it is hard for me to um, fault this game, given how strongly it endeared me to its point of focus, its primary character, and how uh, much it made me care for him and, 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 and how much the game does to make me care about his development as a being. I don't really know so much about the, the story context or like the things that you do later in the game. My first experience of this game and the thing that kind of colored my perception of it for the first little while, like until like a couple hours ago was, um, one of before I knew who my child was, the game gave me the option to hit him. And I think that should, the reason that's important should be obvious enough by me bringing it up. Um, and I did that accidentally. I, my, my time is up. I did that accidentally a couple times the first time I played the game and I had to walk away for about 60 minutes each time because it was too fucking much, especially when he stopped responding to me at all and uh i didn't play the game for three weeks after that uh and uh that uh snes game that i had no experience of until like this month could uh reach inside of me so quickly is a uh a testament to what these people were maybe not what they did but what they were trying to do so i give this game a 92 out of 100 for sheer gumption. Thank you for letting me go over time. Can, <laughs> can I mention oh. the, the weird spoiler thing that I keep forgetting to mention? Yeah. Uh, how like incredibly weird it is that Pino's like spiritual and emotional growth ultimately culminates in him uh, firing like a, like a death laser at a flying battleship. With fucking rules? Because like it's great. I love it. It's super yeah, awesome. It, it culminates in that's one of the thing. That's one of the things it culminates in, but it's not the only one. I mean, that's what happens when the when all of his friends believe in him and his heart activates, and the the J circuit does what it was meant to do. It Shoot fires a laser at a flying battleship. 
what games three for communication are yes, no, and hit. Like his soul leaves his body, <laughs> uh, and he raises his arms upwards towards the heaven heavens and fires a laser at a battleship and blows it up. I can't and believe right. the fifth element ripped this game off. I right? was about to say yeah. right God. before he does this, he says. <laughs> And all of these memories lost, like tears and rain. And then he says, time to die. I can't believe, I can't believe the J circuit was the fifth element all along. Pino and Dallas also, multi-pass. <laughs> Pino Dallas multi-pass. My, I um, can't believe it. I, I have one HDMI cable, which I use to hook up my Switch or a computer or an Xbox 360 to my television. And so I have named that one input multi-pass. I just wanted everybody to know that. Um, so <laughs> thank you, everybody, for giving me your, your good and vulnerable and wonderful thoughts on this game in Revelation. I, that's, I, that's why I like that section, uninterrupted. Um, and But for the listener, thanks for sticking with us. It's a bit of a longer one, I think. And uh, I, I hope you enjoyed it. But that is it for this podcast. Um, hey, everybody, where can people find you if they want more of you? And we'll go in regular alphabetical order this time. Uh, I am uh, Noka. Uh, my name is uh, Mara IRL. You can find me at Funeral Selfie on Twitter, although I don't know why you would do that. You can find me uh, on the fairy server, uh, Final Fantasy XIV as CL Serene. Uh, and you can find me here uh, talking with my beautiful friends uh, I love you thank you for listening Hi, I'm close you can find me I guess here and nowhere else it's me shrug um, so if you want to catch me elsewhere being even worse than usual potentially I'm uh, shrug on the forums I'm at shrugopolis on twitter I have tiny baby tabletop games at shrug.itch.io or nub.zone and I guess also also maybe someday there will be a new episode of No Rangers Allowed Hi Cuba I who don't do any work at all ever am here to resent people for not doing work that I do not myself do ever do and don't even know how to do it's me shrug thank you and good night hi 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 folks it's me tigress you can find me at automatic tiger on twitter um and you can find me on this podcast feed uh doing the primary legwork for the book of mega drive podcast we've got a great little twitter i never update at book of mega drive um that you can also check out um it's it's the same as this cast but with super but with sega genesis and other sega fine sega products you'll love it if you love this and it's also you're subscribed to this presumably so you already do i assume i'm being very egotistical tonight uh, if you think that I would be the sort of person you'd like to read a prop, arguably unfinished, only playtested once, um, a tabletop RPG about giant robots, I've got one for you at automatictiger.itch.io. I played um, it. It was fun. People have told me it's fun. Shrug saying, 
what better testimony could you want? Um, it's free or it's free or not. It's complicated. Uh, but yeah, you should, you should, let's just say, yeah, you, you should download it and play it and tell me what you think. It's got one five-star review on the site. They weren't even in the play test. They don't know me. Somebody likes it. Hi, it's me, Romano. You can find me on my website, and that is lonelyfrontier.net. That has all of my contact info. Also, um, check out my blog. Um, Much like the podcast, I pop up randomly, say whether or not a video game is good, and then I disappear again. Also, um, sometimes I will talk about fast cars, cars that go vroom. Hi, it's Rudy. I've been taking care of an actual human baby, uh, changing their diaper while that was all going on. I, I also have a video game podcast. It's called Hinge Problems. Uh, I think our last couple episodes about Metal Gear Solid and Shinmu, and uh, by the time this is released, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, a really good, uh, interesting discussion. If you like this discussion sort of here, uh, we do that sort of thing over there, except a lot more white and male. Apologies. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll work on it. Have fun. Yes, I am Tulpa. You can find me on Twitter as Memorious Tulpa. You can find me on itch.io as Memorious Tulpa. You can find me dungeon mastering a Dungeons and Dragons game on the podcast No Rangers Allowed. Uh, you can find me sporadically popping up in other places like a uh, black mold infestation that you can't get rid of. <laughs> Fuck. You right. can find me making your breathing more difficult as I release my spores. Release <laughs> the spores! <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. I have been Va- uh, Vasilkania. Just Kania to my friends. Um, you can find me on select button as Vasilkania. Just Kania to my friends. And you can find me on this podcast. Uh, sometimes on the Book of Mega Drive podcast, if you like my uh, sonorous game show host voice, I have a purple sequined uh, jacket on right now and purple sequined pants. So it's very good. Um, I'm on Twitter, but it sucks. So I'm not going to tell you where that is. Uh, here's the part where I will tell you what you can do to help us. If you like this podcast, spread the word. Tell your fairy guardian or your angry book-destroying son or just tweet about us, probably more likely. Um, put us on Facebook. I don't fucking know. How do you communicate with your friends? Do that. Tell us about. Tell them about us. Um, the only way people find out about us is through word of mouth because I'm not paying for advertisements. Uh, also, if you want to give us reviews on Apple Podcasts or podcast addict which does not require uh, a an apple manufactured device or an account with them uh i will find them and we will read them on the podcast like the one from this one from apple podcasts what a, a nice podcast this is a very nice blend of structured game discussion and rambling digression. The editing is good. The discussion of historical and societal context slash bias is amazing and it also and it has a really nice blend of totally different varieties of utter dorks with different viewpoints. Really enjoying catching up on back episodes. This was from uh, Guillermo. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that five star review. There you called me a dork. You're a dork. It's okay. Shrug. I, I'm dork. Not I, like, I like that you called me a dork. Thanks. <laughs> 
if you're listening, Grandma, thank you. We loved your review. And it was five stars. If you leave less than five stars, I'm not fucking reading it. So just leave five stars. Uh, so what if it's I funny? Only, what if it's really funny? We shouldn't nope. encourage people. I'm only, nope. no. only five star we're, we're reviews will get read. Yeah, five star reviews get read. I'm only a dork. Doesn't matter how I'm, mean you are in the review, we will read it if it's five stars. I'm yes. only, I'm only. It a does dork. matter. I'm only a dork on the days that I. What if? What if find, it's, my, find the geo crystal. If, if it's mean <laughs> to us, I'll probably read it in a Skeletor voice, though. Yes, yes, be mean, but leave a five star review. Um, that's all I care about. Uh, you can tweet us. I Thank might read you, the Shrug. next one in a skeleton. I might read the next one in a Skeletor voice, regardless. <laughs> so what if, leave your what if my skeletal thing, reviews what if my next my thing is I just do a different dumb voice every time we do one of these I think that's good I think I think people should be allowed to designate the voice and then we'll find the person who's able to give that voice the best and we'll have them read the review <laughs> so next person if who everyone does this, with an iPhone device reviewed this podcast that would actually probably cause us to have double listeners just oh yeah not, that's, not, that's, not, that's not like yeah. Like it's not the low number; it's just like the way the the internet works. If yeah. everyone listening to this that has an iPhone device reviewed it, there'd yeah. be more people listening. And that's a threat. It's also a threat because if you don't, if you have an iPhone device and you don't review us, I will cancel the podcast. So <laughs> please tweet us <laughs> <laughs> at Snexploration, um, which is also where you can vote on new games. So that's at S N exploration uh and the vote will be pinned at the top if there is a vote you can also visit our site at snes.club there's stuff there great uh finally we've got a patreon page uh patreon.com slash s n exploration that's an exploration it helps me pay for server costs basically um so uh and then the big announcement is always uh since this game was an explorer's pick you get to find out what the twitter winner was if you haven't already seen it which is of course battle dodgeball so that's Whoa. what we'll be playing next time it's uh oh it's my god robots. Yeah. Oh, Whoa! Yeah, yeah, Whoa! yeah. I gotta oh, talk about so SD Gundam. I gotta talk about SD Gundam. It's on topic. Ah! I'm so excited to talk about this Doozy Bots thing. Oh yeah, Doozy Bots, SD Gundam, Common Rider. Holy shit, it's gonna be great. I'm not even gonna play this game. I'm just gonna let other people talk. I'm about gonna it. get to think about dodgeball rules. Um, but it's also time to find out what the, the game after that will be. So if you want to get ahead of, of us, it's going to be an Explorer's Choice. This time, it's it's Rudy's Choice. And unless Rudy has any oh, objections oh. to this... Oh, no. <laughs> why don't you tell us what it is, Rudy, since you're here? Barring uh, Kenya playing it for 30 minutes and finding out, like, just, like, no one understanding it, it's pretty heavy. And as far as I know, there's only a half translation. Uh... But this should excite uh, our, our also cast member Modal. Uh, we're going to be playing Lady Stalker, the sequel to Landstalker. Hell yes. Whoa. Hell yes. So so if you want to keep up with us, play Battle Dodgeball and or Lady Stalker. Feel free to send your thoughts about that at to snes at snes.club or tweet us at uh, Snexploration. Uh, I'm always looking for thoughts. We can read them on the podcast and stuff. But other than that, uh, that is the end of this podcast. And until next time, it's not Pac-Man 2. It's not Princess Maker. It's not a real boy. It's not Creatures. 
It should have been Pac-Man 2, the new adventures. It's or not Pac-Man 2. Hello, Pac-Man. It's, it's not, not my child's dirty diaper. <laughs> it's not The Sims. Oh, but it's... It's oh. not Galapagos Mendel's escape. It's not Tokyo Mickey Memorial. Which I've been trying to find for two fucking weeks, and I finally did tonight. <laughs> Galapagos Mendel's escape. Just looking for that blue bug monster. It's not it's learned. It's not Seaman. It's not the child rearing parts of Crusader Kings 3. It's not Griffin's Amiibo Corner. It's not Nights into Dreams. It's not Majesty, where you indirectly control uh, hero characters by placing bounties. See, I was referencing the A-Life part of Nights into Dreams, not the rest of it. Two yeah, can play that game closed because it's not Sonic Adventure or Sonic Adventure 2. And it's, it's not, not black and white. Better. It's not better than Sonic. Not Evo. The fighting game tournament. It's also definitely not Tamagashi Town. Ooh, but it's it's way worse than Tamagashi it's Town. Not epic Pinocchio. I'm quitting. I'm quitting the podcast Mickey. and the forum. It's over. It's not. Bye, Tulpa. Okay to hit your robot child. Oh, that's it's definitely that's not okay. That's, it's not yes. okay. Yeah, it's, we it's okay. we yeah. we all take a very hard stance on that. Yep, spanking yeah, is also bad. for sure. <laughs> Even if they eat a book. Just don't. E eating a book? I, the you book know, is... You can afford I, to buy a new book. Just take your kid out to the Walmart parking lot and get another book and see what they do with the next one. That's what this game taught me. Books are cheaper than robot kids. <laughs> just, just think of it that way. Much easier yeah, to replace actually, a book than a broken robot kid. Your broken robot kid dies. I mean, falls down a well. Actually, I mean, it depends on the book, really. Well, the yeah, books are all about, Some of the books are pretty expensive, I thought. Oh, they're more? Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Can you end the podcast, please? <laughs> <laughs> As always. It's not. Uh, words. Uh, words. As it's always. not words. It's not words. The Night in the Black Blaster oh, is the, like, seminal um, oh development of European, uh, Western European <laughs> medieval <laughs> metallurgy. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not PC racers. It's like, hand right? Hand That's how we end. <laughs> no, no. Of, uh, it's, it, we, we usually uh, end with, with, with uh, armor <laughs> production. Is it Chuck Rock? It like oh, retails for 500 bucks now. It's $500, because not... they won't just do another printing. Midnight. It's not Chuck Rock. Print it again, Princeton. Everyone wants. It's that fucking it's book. I don't want to. I've oh, never okay. muted. Drug. It's, it's not. It's not Chuck Rock. It's not Chuck Rock. I've unmuted you, Chuck. Hello. It's Chuck Rock. It's not. Chuck it's not though. We not know Chuck it's not. I'm gonna chuck a whole think rock. Think of your poor editrix. Everyone, think of your poor editrix. Oh Christ! Yeah, I'll give you a clean take of that. And as always, it's not Chuck Rock. Thank you, as always, to Schnabobula for his incredible track, playing Super Mario World while taking mushrooms. Also, thanks to our regular guest, Bachelor, for the incredible art that we have now. Go check out uh, Bachelor Soft on Twitter. And as always, thank you for listening. Bye-bye.